0: Uh, Good evening, everybody. Welcome to part four of the Carlton Season Preview, the live series, because we obviously are uploading individual previews. I'm Terry. I've got Dan with me. Dan, good evening to you, my friend. Hey, everyone.
1: How are we doing? You right? Talk to me
0: about this shirt, mate. Who are we repping tonight?
1: It's Hulk KR. You might have seen them in the news recently. These are my rugby league team because they've uh, threatened to sue the Super League for the signing of Israel Folau. No so, so, they've actually got the other teams on board to sue them. So, whole KR standing firm against tyranny. I love it.
0: <laughs> That's brilliant, mate. That is brilliant. Um, plenty to get through. Uh, obviously, we've got the previews of the players tonight. We've got, um, you know, we've got five plays to get through tonight. There's also a few issues we want to raise with the crowd and, and you guys, the fans, uh, about the club as well, I think uh, some important issues for us just to get a bit of a, a gauge as to how we're feeling about certain things. So I think it's going to be a pretty um, a pretty good show. And also we want to talk a little bit about the AFLW season opener tomorrow um, and we'll touch on that. So it'll be a little bit of an extended show, but I don't think anyone has any issue with talking about Carlton for a little bit longer than planned.
1: What do you reckon? No, it's easy, isn't it? You can do it all day. You could do a 24-hour show with this.
0: <laughs> We're open for suggestions. We're open for suggestions. I'll uh, call in a few people. Riley Jones, good evening to you. Kato, Kano, one of the OGs. How are you, mate? Looks like you're at a press conference there. Riley, good evening to you. Pete, is watching maps on his TV, but us on his phone. I love that. There's an indicator of the times that we live in. The dual screen. <laughs> I love that a lot. Bronco Lawn, Good evening. And, uh, right, um, you know what? Let's get started, mate. Let's get into it. Um, some interesting names this evening. Good evening to you, George and Andy Caldwell. Andy Caldwell, actually, while I've got you there, your boy Eddie Betts gets a run tonight, mate. So... Yeah, I, yeah I was going to say, he'll be up, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Kano, we'll put you on at the end, mate. We'll uh, we'll do a few Q&As Q with, uh, with you guys afterwards. So just hang tight for that. Righto. Let's kick it off. Um, we go from Sam Doherty to Darcy Lang. Um, Darcy's a very interesting figure at the club for, for various reasons. Um, he's had a bit of a tough run at it, just with injury and whatnot. Um, talk to me about where you see
1: Darcy Lang now and where you see Darcy Lang's season playing out, Dan. He's a tough one, Darcy Lang, because like you look at like when we signed him from Geelong, I was super excited because he, he he looked quite a footballer. And they tried so hard to keep him and it was only the Applet signing that got rid of him. So, like, it was a big, big, big signing, I thought. But he's never really produced. And, like, last, last year he went down to seven touches a game. Like, that is that is poor. Like, it doesn't matter what level you are, that's poor. I understand his role changed, but that was shocking. And the goal return got worse as well. But... He is a footballer. He, you do see them glimpse is that he's a natural footballer. I think, though, like he's, he's on last chance saloon, surely. I think he got very lucky to get given another chance this year. And I think for me, it's take the chance this year or fritter away in the VFL system. But I genuinely don't see him trouble in the 22. And it breaks my heart to say it. I was wrong about a player. And I think Darcy Lang is that one.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it's a good exercise for us as fans because and, and such is the new age and what we're sort of trying to do here as well is, you know, when you have someone you probably don't gravitate towards, uh, that's probably where you can probably cross the line with some of the abuse you can give these players. Like we can talk about Levi Casbolt at times throughout his time at Carlton where it was just like, how does he get into the side? With You know, there's no way he can play another game. So it's not like Darcy Lang can't... Um, can't do it. The he doesn't have the ability. Um, but at this point, I mean, you know, you sort of got to weigh up giving him leeway for injuries and also, oh, well, hang on, you're at the level, you're either going to produce or you're not going to produce. Otherwise, we've got to move on. Um, so, look, he gets a fresh crack at it. He's obviously done the full preseason. I think, I genuinely think that this will be the best that we see of Darcy Lang. First of all, because he's got no choice but to perform better than what he has. And secondly... Um, you know, it's it's potentially his last crack at it. And and, and and second, thirdly, sorry, it's um, he's got the full pre-season, which is something he didn't have in the previous two seasons with us. So that gives him a chance. Uh, he could be a depth player for us in the VFL. Um, one thing he does do well, uh, focusing on the positives, he, he, he does bring that tackle pressure. We saw, you know, he had a pretty good game against St. Kilda in terms of that forward pressure role and that multiple effort highlight of his but what where what is he going to do
1: to break into this side firstly to you Dan and secondly to you at home what does he actually have to do I I think he's got a hope for injuries really I mean I think there's so many people ahead of him that I put ahead of him if he's playing his traditional position on the pocket or the flank I just think he's got to hope Connors doesn't get up he's got to hope you know things like that and hope injuries and or he's got to absolutely tear it up on the VFL and really bang down that door I just can't, I think he's had, to, me personally, I've got a big fan, big fan of him. But I think what I've seen at Cowan, he's got to got to really maximise his disposal and he's got to maximise his shots. Like, you look at his goals behinds, it's almost 50-50. Like, there's a lot of games last year, he had one goal, three behinds. So, like, that's scary. He had the opportunities, but he hasn't kicked more than two goals for, like, over a year. So, I mean, that's... When when you're playing in that role, I mean, for me, his natural position is rotating through the midfield and being on the half-forward flank. I just think we've got too many people on the outside who are better than him and too many people in the flank. So he's really got to, like, average 20 a game and a goal a game in VFL and really bang that door down. Yeah. No, I I
0: can't argue against that. So good luck to him. Um, And we'll see what happens throughout the year. Hopefully he can be a really good depth player for us. Moving along, number seventeen, young Brody Kemp. Now, obviously, we don't have much to talk about because we know his situation with the injury, and um, for a lot of us uh, who have never seen him before, I'm going to turn to you, Dan, because you um, you 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 called him very early in the in the year. You spoke not not that we we're going to draft him necessarily, but that he, he was definitely one of the options. Uh, you did speak about him. So, what drew you to to um, to Brody Kemp, and,
1: and what could he bring? You know, maybe. 2021 and beyond? Well, I think anyone who rates elite playing at full forward on on the ball and at a key position down the back is someone that just takes your eye. The fact that he rates elite in the stats for all three departments, that's very rare to do too. Um, so, like, for me, that stood out. But the fact that the guy's colossal for his size and his age, like, he looks like a man. Like if you, Everyone said that to me when they've seen him at training. He already looks like a man which you think in a year's time, all he's going to be doing at the moment is training and doing body work. Imagine how big the guy is. Look how big Sam Walsh has gone in a year. This guy is athletic just to look at. He's already got them marks. So for me, the guy can kick goals. He accumulates possessions. He can tackle. He's one of them few players we talk about that you always get one in a draft who year one can play on the ball. And Brodie Kemp's that. Like, he's a phenomenal I'd be happy with him on the ball if his knee permitted round one that early. He's that, he's that big. He's that big and that strong.
0: Yeah. The thing I like about his situation is, you know, he's got, I mean, you know, touch wood, Doc's healthy, and he's gone through two bouts of, of a knee reconstruction, rehabilitation. Um, who better to learn off than Sam Doherty, who's going to be at the club, obviously club captain, accessible at any time. Uh, so I think he's going to be holding Gusset. So it's really just a, a really early test in his career of his character and his application off the field. And again, I don't know much about him because I haven't watched him, but just putting those pieces together and putting together what I've seen at the club... Um, it's gonna. It's sort of like. Um, do you remember when Blake Griffin got drafted to the NBA and yeah. he, his entire first season because he had he had a knee injury, I think, and he ended up winning Rookie of the Year the following year, even though he was drafted the year before. I see similarities between that because of the size of Brody Kemp. Like you said, he could play round one if he if he was fit because he's big enough and he's talented enough. So we could have a real long term gem on our hands, and it's something that we haven't really afforded ourselves to do because we've need to get talent in fast. Whereas this is a bit of a, a change up where we've we've drafted for the
1: future. So I like it. Oh I mean you've got to remember if we had this conversation this time last year, who was pick number one, everyone was saying Kemp. He was head and shoulders above Rao, he was head and shoulders above Anderson. He was the pick one by a long, long way. And the fact that he still made the top ten picks with a year out, he was, on the day of the draft, he was scheduled to go sixth pick. That's what all the experts had. Shows you how quality he is as a footballer. But, like, for me, all the signs are good. This surgery was a success. There was no feedback, like, say, Setfield had some complications with his ACL at a young age. This guy's got clean bill of health. He never had any injuries before. Setfield always had lower in- injuries, 16, 17. This guy's got a clean bill of health. So, I mean, touch wood quickly, but he should be. All signs say that he'll make a return. So, I I hope we do what we did with King, St Kilda did with King, really put him on the back burner. He was ready to play round 16, King was. They kept him away, played him in the VFL, gave him limited minutes and just build him up for 2021 and release the beast round one. Yeah. Because effectively, we got two first-round picks. And then when Raul gets bored of Gold Coast and trades to us, effectively, we could have three pick ones in our club. Just so the collection. <laughs> yeah, just keep collecting. But, I mean, for me, yeah, Ken would have been number one without that ACL, without a doubt. Yeah. <coughs>
0: Excuse me. I like the um, the notion Joe O'Halloran put it out here. So you've got Kemp, Cripps, Walsh. You add Cedarfield there. There's a tall, talented midfield for the future right there. So something to keep an eye out. Um, yeah, I think the beauty in having Sam Philp is that we're not, we're not going to be worried too much about missing out on a first-round pick. Um, so Brody can just go ahead and and, uh, and go about his business without any expectation or any pressure. And I think the club have done a really good job in just not entertaining the fact that he'll play this year, just so we don't have anything to, to worry about there. Um, and neither does Brody. So good luck to him for that.
1: Oh, potentially, you think about it, Cripps, Kemp, Walsh, Philp, Ramsey, that could be the Kerr-Judd combination of the West Coast. Do you know what I mean? It it could be like that, do you know what I mean? Cousins, Kerr, could be talked about like that in a decade's time, that we've seen a young core group of midfielders that dominate for a decade. Uh, you can tell we're nearing the season when you hear comments. <laughs> yeah. I've gone from being really realistic to saying outlandish statements. Judd and cousins and Kerr, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on.
0: Uh, number 18, the excitement doesn't really drop off there. Sam Walsh. Um, I'm almost bored. Not bored, but like I almost feel like when I did the preview for Sam Walsh, I felt like I just it was really just stock standard and...
1: What what else can you say about him that hasn't been said? I mean, I, I, this this guy is twenty twenty two Brownlow medalist, Guaranteed. Take it to the bank now. Call Sportsbet, ask for odds, slam it on. Guarantee. This guy's old class. I mean, I saw him have that six pack photo the other day. Wow. I mean, this kid's got it all. I mean. You can't teach football now, and he had it from day one. Not many players go round one from the tack and equal what they did at juniors. This guy did it in a team that was bottom four. So, as we get better, the talent gets better. He's going to be lethal. I mean, he's already... You you can't argue with this. You'd say he's already top three at the club
0: in skill. Absolutely. I think, if anything, he's probably... And... um... Lance McGovern spoke about this in his vlog yesterday uh, about, and, it, you know, it was a bit of, you know, satire, but there was, was a good point in there. The way he's throwing his body into dangerous situations, it's almost a little bit like Joel Selwood, dare I say it. Um, and you look at the game that he plays, given the, the comments, a lot of the comments that we made about him last year was, were, were pertaining to how he was so lightly framed but still played a contested game. So can you imagine when he actually adds the, the, um, the thickness in his body needed to play that contested game? Because he's already very hard to tackle as it is. And you, you sort of, I sort of wonder, is that through natural strength or is that just willpower to get out of a contest? And you know, if we're going to see him do, even if he just replicates what he did in 2019 and doesn't go any further than that, that's
1: good enough for me. He's, he's so early in his career. Oh, 100%. I mean, I think one thing that excited me was round 16. He really, really started to add that goal kick into his game. We saw he increased his amount of shots at goal. There was a lot of times before then, my criticism was in, of him was he was trying to do the team thing. And I just wanted him to be selfish. Just wanted him to be selfish. And when he kept running into 50, have a go. Who knows what happens? Round 16, you saw him add that to his game. To me, he is... The only candidate at Carlton that I can imagine having danger, dusty numbers, 30 touches a game, a goal a game, that type of player. He's got all that. He's defensively sound. He's attacking sound. Adds goals there. This guy could be dominant. Like, I think Joel Selwood's cutting him short. I see him as a game-breaker. He's a lot better than Joel Selwood. Plus, he's, he's likeable, isn't he? Joel Selwood's not. You want not invite him to your wedding. Sam Walsh would be top of your list. <laughs> So, I, for me, yeah, I think, I think Walsh will be, and I think he'll overtake Cripps in the fans' hearts in the next two years. I think he will be the one we talk about. That'll be, that'd be huge. That'll be huge for us. Kano's written down a call, and, you know, we've spoken about it as well. Kano thinks he'll be All-Australian in 2020. How like someone else putting their arse on the line? For a while. <laughs> That's good. Welcome, Kano. <laughs> in all seriousness,
0: though, can he make the All-Australian team? I don't see why not. I mean, if Carlton finished very hard as a midfielder, obviously, you'd need to be pretty much top six in the league as a midfielder, right?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Dunkley managed to get in there, didn't he, for the first time. So I reckon he's capable of Dunkley numbers. He's capable of getting 30 touches. And if he, say, adds 25 goals to that, Carlton finished top 14, I would say there's a great argument to have whichever midfielder has broke out, which you'd imagine Walsh would be. Because Cripple mm-hmm. always does it. Mm-hmm. I reckon, yeah, uh, I reckon that's a good shout. I reckon he's got an outside chance of doing it.
0: So for you guys watching at home, and I know that we're all very Carlton biased, but um, could you just type in a yes or a no? Will Sam Can Sam Walsh make the All-Australian team in 2020? I'm very interested to see how we all think as a collective because... Um, I think, barring maybe four or five games towards the end last year, he would have been borderline in the squad. I think he's pretty much certainly for the squad if he continues on the way he did last year. Um, so it, it's he's going to need to kick goals, as you said. But I just want to see where
1: everyone sits on this. Oh, I mean, I, I think I think Kennel's spot on. Like you, you look at the squad last year. He's he definitely could do it. Like Dunkley, there. You look at that. Like his his efforts last year. He's not a million miles away from old Walsh last year. So, like, Walsh averaged 25 touches and 0.27 goals. So, you would say that was the big difference maker between them. Mm-hmm. It was the goals. It was the impact on the scoreboard. But if you look at Dunkley, he averaged around the same touches, but half a goal a game. So, there wasn't much difference. More metres run. And more pressure just- better- I think also just for an
0: exclusive for Carlton fans watching this or anyone watching this, um, Sam Walsh has five percent ownership in Supercoach at the time of this video right now. I think that is madness because I think he'll add the goals this year. I think he'll add the running power this year, and I think he'll he'll just continue on where he where he left off. Um, I don't see him getting any worse. I really don't. I think he's he's in my team, so I'm one of the five percent. There you go. There you go. Well, um, let's not make this the Sam Walsh show, even though it's about to be for many years to come. Uh Let's just call it the Sam
1: Walsh
0: abroad. (laughs) Sam Walsh abroad. I like it. I like it. Um, Next up, an absolute fan favourite. I mean, the laptop could explode here any minute, as I say his name, but but Eddie Betts, number 19, um, the prodigal son. He's returned home. He gives everyone a layer of happiness that we, an excitement that we haven't had for a while. And um, I've said this in my preview and I'm really keen to hear your thoughts at home or read your thoughts at home and yours as well, Dan.
1: What does Eddie bring back to you? What do you see uh, his impact being? I think the exciting thing is I was speaking to someone who was at Queensland the other day watching the training and uh, they reported back to me that he was working exclusively with the back line um, and they'd spoke to some people in the back line who'd said that they'd ex- he'd explained how he beat them one-on-one. And I think that's the thing that you unlock about him, his ability to teach that. If you look at all the small forwards and you go through the draft year with the top three, in my opinion, last year were Walters, Papley and Cameron. All three of them said their idol was Betts. So Betts is basically the prototype of every small forward in the con. So to have someone who is the master of his craft teach the small defenders how he'd beat them, that's invaluable invaluable because if you can unlock what he would do to you, it's hard for Packley and Cameron to replicate it. So I think that's what he brings in. Also, I said it earlier when it was confirmed, imagine the noise when he kicks a goal. (laughs) Like imagine the cultural shift in that crowd when Betts gets one from the pocket Count and a chase in a twelve-point deficit, and he pulls one back. And he gives that wink to the cheer squad. The crowd rise, and there's that belief. He brings belief. A lot of belief does Eddie. I think also. First of all, I agree. I think also. I was talking to a, a Brisbane Lions supporter
0: yesterday, and he was saying something Eddie does that not many teams have is he kicks goals where you just wouldn't get them any other way. He's, he's able to create something out of nothing, like you mentioned those magical moments, and. <clears throat> How many times last year, even in those close games, were we just struggling to get a goal just because we're bombing it forward, you know, bringing it to ground, we're getting all the momentum, but we just couldn't find a way to just find a goal. I really think he's going to be able to bridge the gap there. And, you know, a lot of the sentiment about him, it was very divided when when we spoke about him coming for the first time because it was like his age, 37 goals last year. He's on the decline. He kicked 12 against the Gold Coast Suns. I mean, for me, just watching him at training, if he has 11 possessions in the game and kicks two to three goals, um, I've seen what he can do at groundwork. It's not going away. He's never going to lose that. Um, he's he's durable. Uh, a lot of the Indigenous players are durable. You look at Sean Burgoyne, uh, for example. Um, Eddie Betts is not also a player that has played bulk midfield minutes in, in a crash and bash style of game. He's very much... He's avoided and touch wood, he's avoided a lot of contact in his career. Just such is the nature of how he plays the game. He's very evasive. And for me, twenty-five goals. Let's take all right, let's 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 let you all have the, the Gold Coast twelve goals argument. That'll take him to twenty five goals. If we get twenty five goals from Eddie Betts this year, that's a huge win on the field.
1: Oh, hundred percent. I mean that's I mean, one thing as well, you've said, groundwork is something last year when the ball hit the deck we were horrific at. You look at the top teams, Richmond, West Coast, that's something they're masters of, masters of. and You've got to remember as well that Eddie and McGovern, we covered it last week about McGovern. They do have history together as they traditionally have good years. For me, that's something that's exciting. It's something that we've got a lot of young small forwards and you've got the master of his craft to learn off. And I thought here what Scott says, he has. That's what changed my opinion. I saw the hope he brought. And when I spoke to the players at the BNF, they all spoke that same way. They were excited about Eddie coming. So for me, I think he's he's going to be immeasurable what he can do for this club. Yeah, we oftentimes do get caught up in what we can see, stats, numbers
0: and whatnot. Um, If you haven't gone down to an open training session yet and you're watching... I strongly, strongly, actually even better. There's a practice game next Thursday against Collingwood. If you haven't been to any open training sessions, go there and watch what happens when Eddie touches the ball. It, it's it's on a lower level, like when Chris Judd came to the club and when he touched the ball, the crowd all started cheering. It's sort of like on a level of that. It's phenomenal. And, you know, 80,000, 85,000 at the MCG. Can you imagine him kicking the first two goals of the game against Richmond? Just you know, running after the cheese squad,
1: giving Nick a hug, you know? Oh, that, that, I can see that. And I can see that he's, he's got that energy that he's kind of infectious with the players as well. You see how he interacts with them at training. the smiles, there's laughs, there's silly handshakes, there's silly dances. You can see that there's that kind of energy where it's a positive energy. It's not, we're training, oh God, it's like, enjoy it. You can see he loves the game. And that's only going to benefit young players as well, that they're going to see the love he has as a footballer. That's a good one there. That's a good one there. The the joy for the game. A guy
0: like Jack Martin needs to enjoy the game. A guy like Levi just they just released a video of him talking about how he needed to find a way to start enjoying his footy before it ends. Uh, You know, have the joy for the game. And when you're in a form slump, it's very hard to smile and enjoy the game. And you're right. It is going to bring that. It is going to bring a lot of energy for us, and and I, I can't wait. I, I, I'm, it's going to be like going back in time and and becoming a little kid again.
1: It's definitely going to be like going back in time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Number twenty, Lockie Plowman,
0: the um the the, mom. the I was wrong, Lockie Plowman. Um, third in the BNF. Ate my words. Like the little. Um, like the with my in between the legs, eating the humble pie that I was. Um, but he had a pretty good year. And again, I spoke about this in my preview. You just don't know. I mean, we, we have opinions on players and what we think we see, whether you're at the game or watching on TV. But it's so hard to know what role a player plays. And he was the prime example. with probably something that I'll learn in 2020 is you just don't know what role a player is playing and how appreciated they are on the inside. And that's what really matters. So... What do you think about Lockie Plowman? How do we how do we manoeuvre him this year?
1: I absolutely adore Lockie. So I mean, he's he, he just he, he's, he's hardworking endeavour, and it's something you see in his numbers as well. It's progressively, steadily got better. So you can see that there's obviously application. And I thought, well, Ed, when we were there, and uh, Crips said, it's no surprise in anyone in the dressing room, he's top three. Because he's always doing the things that the numbers don't tell you off the ball as well. And I think that's it. I mean, like, I remember when we did the Brisbane preview, we said that Lockie Plummer was going to take Cameron. And a few people were like, that's madness. And he absolutely destroyed him. And, and then the week later, he did it against Walters, who was in inspired form as well. It, he's just got that ability. So, like, for me, I think he's everything you need in the back line. You need that person. It reminds me a lot like Dylan Grimes before Rance got injured. It it doesn't surprise anyone that he's good, and it will do when there's a big injury and he's asked to do the main job and he kills it. People start to take notice. He reminds me a lot, though, like Dylan Grimes.
0: Yeah, he's Very good.
1: good. No one gives him respect. But the minute you need him, he comes across and does it. So... And I think that's what will happen. I think that will probably happen at some point in his career. Wheater and Jones will go down. Pezza, I mean, Plowman has to go and do it. And suddenly we're just all like, God, this guy's good. Here's an incredible stat here. Dane, thank you for sharing this.
0: Goals against small defenders in 2019. Tom Stewart, 21. Shannon Hearn, 22. Lucky Plowman, 24. There you go. The top two of those guys made all Australian. Um... The versatility in the way that he can play on talls and smalls is, is great. Um, I think I think where the Yanks came from was because 2017 he showed really good signs. It was a really good year for him. He, he had this attacking side to his game and we lost that a little bit in 2018. Obviously, we lost Doc. Last year, we, lost it. we didn't really see much of it as well until maybe the second half of the year. Um, and that's the one thing I want to try and unlock with him this year. So Doc's back very much allows everyone to just relax and play their natural game. And I, Lockie Plowman for me is an attacking defender. I know he can play a one-on-one role and he can play on the talls and the smalls, but he likes to you get on that peg and he likes to try and pinpoint a kick. And I think if we're set up well, which I think we will be a lot more better this year because of Doc being there and then Simo and the like, um, I really expect to, and, and hope, I should say, to see a lot more of that attacking side of Lockie Plowman's game. We can, because we're going to want to attack from defence, obviously. A lot of teams want to have that. So I'm looking forward
1: to maybe that's where we unlock Lockie Plowman. Oh, 100%. I think that's something he attacks the ball, not the man. Mm. And I think one of his skills is – I re-watched the Brisbane game recently when he, when he was against Cameron. And he has a great habit of making the forward follow him, mm-hmm. not the defender follow the forward. So for me, I think that that is a huge, huge benefit. He makes the forward play his game play within his strengths and if he can unlock someone like Charlie Cameron who in my opinion is one of the better small forwards no one really comes across that difficult for him like if you can unlock Cameron you can unlock anyone so yeah Ploughman for me underrated I I think though people should get off your back about getting angry about Ploughman because statistically after you punch the desk he got 20% better so really (laughs) You may be, you maybe motivated him.
0: He must have been watching. He must have been.
1: <laughs> On the explanation.
0: No, I, I love nothing more than when you think a player's done and you write them off and they come and prove you wrong. I think we all want it. I mean, I think everyone was happy when Levi Casbolt smashed the competition in that patch last year. Oh, you've got to be. I
1: mean, if we're wrong about players, it's good for the club, isn't it? All we want to do is watch wins. It's as simple as that. Like, if, I will be the happiest guy when we've both said we don't think Lang will make it. If round two he comes in, averages twenty-two for the rest of the year, and kicks eighteen, I'll, I'll be overjoyed to say Lang's an AFL footballer.
0: Yeah, well, uh, the punch—the punches to the desk—they're going to be a thing of the past. So, if you were watching early on in the Blue Broad, uh, in, in the history of Blue Abroad, then uh, <laughs> you were lucky to see. It. I mean, unless we go like two and nine this year. Uh, I mean, then we're going to see like i want to like be throwing chairs at myself, but anyway. I was
1: gonna say, record this conversation. If we're zero and ten at the buy, you wait.
0: <laughs> no, you just know it's coming. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll replay this back when we, if, if that ever happens again.
0: Bloody hell. Um, okay, so there's the five, George. We're not going to go to Jack Martin just yet. He'll be in the next show, so stay tuned for that. But a few other issues that we should talk about. Um, that have happened this year. Let's start. Let's start on a real positive. Let's start with the girls. Um, tomorrow they make, uh, well, the season begins. They're playing Richmond at Icon Park at 7:45. Again, this is a new journey for me. I haven't watched much of them. I watched, I watched a few of their finals last year. Um, the teams have been announced. Joanne Dunan makes her debut, which is a which is massive. We're talking about a you know not only a, you know a pioneer in, in women's sport, but obviously she's she's come from a different code. In Ireland, she makes her debut tomorrow. Uh, Great story. And, you know, how are we going to go? What's Richmond like?
1: Oh, I mean, Richmond, they're they're not the strength of of the men's team. They are a very, 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 very strong team. Though I suspect, though, that the Carlton girls win that by six would be my prediction. If I was a betting man. Yep. Um, But no, no, it's a strong team. Uh, strong team picked. So, I mean, I expect the girls to really come out flying. I'm super excited about our girl, Doonan, as well, making a making a debut over from Gaelic League football. So, really exciting times. I think the, the girls will cruise through the conference. Um, it's Adelaide is the if. Adelaide, for me, are a lot better than any other side in that comp. So, it's when you get to the finals and you play Adelaide, that's where the questions will be asked. Well, the girls to, to really fly through the uh, conference
0: yeah now well good luck to them again if you if you're um, if you haven't watched the AFLW just give it a crack tomorrow if you don't want to watch it don't watch it um, but uh, just show them some support if you if you're sort of sitting on the fence because it's uh, look you know it's here to stay and it's great that we get uh, another layer of professionals into the world who can you know chase their dream as kids I think it's fantastic so good luck to them Um Let's move on to the next topic. Um, I wanted to talk about it the other day, but I thought I'd wait. and I sort of, you know, Charlie Kerners obviously, you know, the, the news has come out, which was not was not news to us. We knew that he'd be missing the start of the season anyway, but it's just now been confirmed that he's going to be, um, he won't be playing until at least you know June or mid year kind of thing. So, um, I've seen some opinion divided. Some people are just blindly. Um, chastising him so people are blindly supporting him um, people are asking questions and for me I mean as supporters of the club and as members of the club it's our duty to question the club when when the time comes and there's obviously a way to do that um, uh, you don't get on the members forum and say and ask if it's one big boys club uh, but you have you have discussion you know so um, what we what let's lay out the facts of what's happened in the story of Charlie kuno so I don't know if you've got it there, Dan, but can you recall? So, there's been five instances of of knee issues with Charlie. Do you have them off the top of your head, or have you got them written down there?
1: I have got them written down somewhere. Give me five seconds.
0: Yeah. So basically, let's let's go from the very beginning um, of what this you know this chapter in the Charlie Kurdo story is, uh, and see what's happened. I mean, is there something that could have been prevented? Is there something that's prevented him from playing that's not just you know horrible luck? Um, have the club done Everything they could have done in, you know, sending the message to the fans in the right way. Um, I think it was, I think it was round 18, uh, 2018 or something like that when he did the first, had the first knee issue. Um, And so I really want to go through with it and, 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 and dissect it. Right, here we
1: are. Not that long
0: Matty Bem says that he wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him this year. I mean, I'm not against it if he's not right. Uh, he's a guy that's uh, massive for our future. Um, it's just, you know, when you when 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 someone with so much talent is not playing, it's very frustrating for the fans. And you know, when you talk about a forward line that doesn't have Harry ready, Mitch McGovern's not doing that to just yet. We don't know if there's injury. We don't know if there's um, just a management issue going on. It it could be frustrating and to sort of Um, to see Charlie, just it just seems to never end with this knee issue,
1: yeah. So, we've got round 23, he had a low lower leg injury 2018 against Adelaide, round two against Port in 2019, yeah, 14 2019, then September, he had the NBA, the NBA, uh, the basketball type injury, and then November, he had the tile staircase. Well, November was the tile
0: staircase, so let's let's go there because we didn't really get a lot of information. I remember the NBA, the basketball happened and Tiggy talked about he was fine with it, they were playing a casual game of basketball. They wanted him to test it out and see how it was. Obviously the kneecaps come out. Um, that's what they said, the kneecap had come out. Then is when the tiles happened. So he's and, and this is not this is not innuendo. The club have said he was walking upstairs and slipped on tiles. Right? For me, that's a flag.
1: Like, what is that? I've got to say, it's like, it's the curious case of ridiculous events, isn't it? Because, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people saying they've never seen a tiled staircase. I've got to say, I'm quite cultured. I've only ever seen it in 32 AD Rome. So, But then again, I, I come from a very poor state in England. So, I mean, it could be commonplace. But, I mean, for me, it seems to be very, very unfortunate. And a lot of them seem to be, like, particularly three in six months, Two of them, you've got to say they've got to be quite avoidable. Like, it's horrific luck if it's true. But where I stand with Charlie is he makes a lot of mistakes like Alaricin does. You remember the priest draft He went out on the beers, refused a breath test. It made him slip down the draft. It seems to repeat himself a lot. And I do think, and you can agree with me or not agree with me, but drinking when you're injured you shouldn't do it but you shouldn't do it on facebook and social media and for me my issue is is they uploaded the pictures they all got screenshotted and then 10 days 10 hours later they deleted them all which to me is proof they know they've done wrong you wouldn't delete something if you uh, if you would stand by it and my question is is j and i agree with the article on this JSOS and BSOS were injured but ret- returned to training the next day and they had a drink and got fined. Why isn't Charlie? Because Charlie didn't turn up to training. It's been confirmed by the club. He went. Why he wasn't at the BNF is because he went and got a leg scan himself to try and hide it from the club. He didn't declare it to the club until he went to that scan. So to me, that's. that. That's worse for me that's worse that's where I draw the line but for me where I stand personally 800,000 a year you can lay off basketball and drinking for nine months surely women yeah. do it all the time when they're pregnant so yeah. how do you do it for 800k well
0: so that's so let's 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 talk about that so he got the four year extension in 2018 after he had a pretty good start to the season and we locked him away you know he's our future and I think what's happened now for me anyway We've got expectation on this kid of him being one of the great players because we know the talent that he has. He's 23, I think, 22 or 23 now. Uh, All of a sudden, when you have the hype surrounding you because of what you've earned, because you you played well, you got your extension, um, all of a sudden there's an expectation of you performing. And Emilio makes the point here. Is Charlie as relentless in his rehab like Doc was and that's where he has his doubt. And and for me, look, Charlie doesn't need to speak to media. He doesn't need to. But where is the, and maybe this is a cult media thing, maybe this is a player preference thing, but where's the message from Charlie directly? Hey, guys, this is what's happening. This is where I'm at in my rehab. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm so upset. I'm disappointed. I can't wait to get back out there. Just, I mean, you, know, you can talk about damage control. It hasn't even been that. And, you know, there's some comments here about how this injury was always a serious injury and it was a seven-month recovery and he's torn ligaments and whatnot. No worries. Why are we the club that are doing like the Adelaide Crows? They talk about a two-week hammy and it ends up being a six-week hammy. Can we stop that? Don't you want to? Like, that's what I love about Ken Hinckley, for example. He'll just say it as it is. He's injured. He's not playing. He's not ready for three months. Won't see him. Why are we? Why are we trying
1: to just manage the um, the funeral? Because it looks silly. Oh, I'm with you. I mean, for me, the where I stand on it is personally, I'm disappointed. These things happen, though. I understand they happen. Yeah. But to me, my concern is I I can't vouch for him. He might be the hardest trainer in the world. Yeah. But I understand why people are upset. And for me, my message would be to Carlton fans: you can't blindly stick up for him because if this was your kid and all the evidence suggests he was drinking and not taking it serious, because we can only go on what we know and social media is a horrible place, but he does put up pictures of him drinking all the time a bit too much. So to me, there's the problem I have is he's not making himself look in the best light and he's relying on everyone to have his back because we love Charlie. And I'm Charlie's biggest fan. I love Charlie. 2018, The only good thing was his little cheeky smile when he kicked a goal. But the problem is, is NBA players have got a little bit of intelligence. They they don't go out to strip clubs and record it. They get busted because they're at the strip club because a fan's done it. My issue is, is Charlie posts pictures of him pulling a silly face with a bottle of wine and a beer in his mouth. And he's going to get hate. You are going to get hate. So I I want him to have a life. I just want him to not let us know about the life. Yeah. Like if you want to stay out of the public
0: eye in addressing the media about your injury, by all means, keep it under wraps, no problem, personal preference. But when I see you with, you know, an espresso martini and then a red wine, then a champagne, then a beer, like it, like I'm looking at it, like it's there, you're tagged, like I'm, I'm following you. It's going to come up. So Maybe it's just a social media lesson for him. Um, I don't want to get on his case
1: because I'm sure a lot of it. I think when you've got Luke Hodge commenting on that picture and saying, is your knee better, mate? Like, there's your problem. Yeah. They're questioning it. Where if you go through Doc, and I went through it the other day, when he was in rehab, he's like on a, tr- he's like on a rowing machine and saying, can't wait to get back at it. And it's little things like that that make us feel faith that you're doing the right thing. You're doing everything exactly right. Exactly right. And and does he owe us it? Probably not. But I would argue that to me, I can't criticise anyone who's got an issue with Charlie Kerno because the facts are, the evidence suggests he is taking the piss. It does. I I can't argue it. If he was my son and you said, well, he's been doing this, I'd be like, okay, well, the evidence suggests he is doing that. But... I've got no doubt he's an exceptional talent, but my concern is very similar to Emilio's. I am worried, does he have the application to go that next level? Does he have that application? Does he have that will and desire to do it? Talent, uh, hard
0: work beats talent when talent fails to work hard, is the old quote. I think that's what it is there. You look at Ed Curnow, his brother, uh, and you just sort of, you wonder there. My worry, and this is what it is, because I care so much, and because I like him so much, my worry is that, ah, oh, is this just another Jared Waite? Is this just another, if it's not another niggling hammy, it's a knee strain. If it's not the knee strain, it's a suspension. If it's not one thing, it's the next. It just sort of kept, and it's like, yeah, we'll get 178 games out of Charlie. And, you know, there'll be 12 of them where he played half the game because he, he had a niggle. It's just, you know, I look at Tom Williamson's article from the club yesterday, and he spoke about how he came home from Europe three weeks early because he knows that he needs to make the sacrifice because he has to break into the side this year. And, you know, I see that and I'm like, am I getting that from Charlie as well? And because there's no media coming up about him, there's no update from him, it just allows the, um, you know, to kick in.
1: And like, like I'm saying, I mean, I'm sure he's a hard worker. You look at his brother, his brother's half as talented but he has literally given his entire career to play this game. And it shows, it shows in his dedication. So the cup from the same cloth, there's no reason why Charlie's not like that. And we just don't know. I'm just saying for me, my opinion, based on the evidence I have seen, is that it, it, it's not there. But I, I hope it is. And I hope it proves us wrong. I, I hope I see a different Charlie. It could just be. Like, I've just seen Scott, picture says a thousand words, and he's right. It could just be he's taking a picture, he thought it was funny, he didn't think about it. Yeah. There's a lot of pictures on my Facebook, a lot of you are friends with me, that five, six years ago, that, wow, that bad, bad picture. But, like, it doesn't paint who I am, but it's a bad picture. So, like, for me, it could just be one of them things. I would just like to see the club get hold of him with social media and say, look, come on, maybe don't post it. And for me, when a player deletes it, that says they know it's wrong. Hundred percent, hundred
0: percent. If you're deleting something, it means you're you're you you are you do not want people to see it. And if it's deleted after you've already posted it, it means you've had to think about it and you've realised this shouldn't be on there.
1: Well, I mean, and David takes exact words. He he had two drinks at the wedding. He did not have two drinks at that wedding. Well, I mean. <laughs> Unless it's like, you know, I was watching police camera action the other day and there was a New Zealand fella that drank a whole bottle of whiskey and thought the one bottle rule was a bottle of whiskey. So maybe it was like two bottles of drink.
0: Anyway, it is what it is. I don't want to get too, you know, negative on him, but I do want to hold him to account. And I want, I want there to be some sort of a forum where we can discuss things that are, you know, making us have a little bit of angst because, you know, he's 23 years old. He's nowhere near where Nat Fife was at 23. And this is the type of talent that we think we have with Charlie. And this is the type of talent that we pay him to play football, to perform at that level.
1: So, um, yeah. I think Maldi hits it on the head. And I think that's the difference between him and Ed Kerner. Charlie's always been pumped up by people like Dermy, always been pumped up where Ed, Ed is exactly like Plowman. Just does his job. Does his job. No one thanks him. And that's probably where the hunger comes from. But I'm sure you might see like Daisy Thomas. If you remember Daisy Thomas, start of his career at Collingwood. He he was all talent, not application. And then eventually he just, something tweaked. Something yeah. tweaked. So hopefully Charlie gets over it, smashes it. Yeah. Come back, kick your 50 goals in 2021. Shut us all up.
0: And, and carry on from there. But again, that that's easier said than done. So let's move on. Um, we also had Nick Austin who came on board, came on board um, as our list manager. So after all the, after the carry on about sauce leaving and all that, we now have a list ma- new list manager. Um, so I don't know anything about him other than, and we spoke about it earlier, uh, about where he, where he worked prior to Carlton. So he's worked at you know, the Doggies and was it, was it Richmond?
1: But uh, dog, yeah, the doggies, Richmond and Port, he's uh, been the recruitment guy there as well at Port. Right. So again, we're just sort of trying to pick out things that sound good for Carlton
0: because he's worked at the doggies. But you made a good point before the show in that he, he's come in, worked in with lists that already had the young talent, and he's just filled the gaps on the outside.
1: Yeah, I mean that's something that the, he's, he's, he's like kind of like the opposite of Sauce. Sauce is good at getting the young talent there. The question mark in his career is can he bring in established names and mature players to complement that? Austin's done that at all three clubs and been heavily involved in that. One thing that excites me is he's progressive as well. He's not one of the old-school idiotic scouts that gets down there on a Sunday afternoon in the cold and rat with notes and goes, oh, he looks like a footballer. He actually looks at the in-depths, the idiosyncrasies In that, and that's what all modern day recruitment does. You don't get the old guys, the young guys. We've sat in the cold, That they're all with laptops. And if you go to the TAC, a lot of the big clubs now, they've got massive laptops there, and there's nerds there calculating the game, feeding back to the guys with the eyes. And he's a very advocate of that. So that's exciting because you think now at Carlton, we don't need kids. We're very similar to Richmond when he was there, where we have the cattle... We just don't have that 5%. We're looking for the cream. And this is the kind of guy that he's he's done that before. He knows how to do that. And this is what he's going to be doing for the rest of his life, ideally for the next 10 years, which will be Austin's career, hopefully, all being well, he'll be there till 2030, is he's just trying to get them little bits of perfection, little little bits of cherries to put on the top every year, just building that list and keeping the core. So I think it's very good recruitment and it's something to be excited about because we've got to remember when we win a flag, it'll be saucy's child, but Nick Austin, we've split up with Soss. We've got a new boyfriend, but Nick Austin's been our stepdad. He'll stepdad it in.
0: Oh, no, it's good. And I'm looking forward for everything settling down. And you know when it's going to settle down? I can just see it there's an image of Steven Silvani sitting in the crowd, watching his boys, not having to worry about, Anything other than just watching these boys play footy. So um, that's gonna be good. Anyway, that's that. Let's uh let's open it up. Uh, Kano, if you still wanna come on, mate, you're more than welcome to. Um, otherwise we'll uh, we'll end it there, maybe for a few minutes. If anyone has any other just random questions, we can
1: we can fire them out now. Um, I'll answer Emilio's question. Nat Fife wouldn't post him going out having drinks on Insta. Probably because Nat Fife can't get served coming without ID. <laughs> he looks younger than me well he is younger than me but he, he looks younger than my son he's a young kid isn't he he looks young
0: little baby-faced assassin
1: he does yeah I, I wouldn't tell him that though he's a big
0: boy <laughs> yeah all right so I'll, I'll walk you out so i can get kano in um and we'll go from there thank you so much have a good night we chat cheers you. guys love you all what's going on buddy no less how are you very good mate very good you got a new uh display in the background there what's happening I've just got my um three D carton players printed out. They're great. They're great. Mate, talk to me. Yeah. What's happening? What are you what do you what did you think of the previews tonight?
2: Yeah, I think they're pretty good and I just like the fact that like especially with Walsh, um, it just you just can't like the last few years you could always talk about some negatives and about the players, but now we're starting to talk a lot about positives.
0: Yeah, well, that's right. It's it's a very exciting time, very exciting time. So you you uh you made a big bold call about Sam Walsh. What was that?
2: Yeah, I th- I think he'll definitely make the he'll definitely make the squad of all Australian, and he probably maybe just make the team.
0: Nah, go all in, mate. He's going to make the team. Back it, back bit. <laughs> yeah. Any other questions for you, mate? Any other themes or anything coming up from you? Um.
2: Did you hear about
0: that thing about the um three board positions um and number the five thing? yeah yeah, there was a, a, a nomination uh that was put forward um I'm gonna wait this one out. I don't really know what's happening with it yeah. G- yet um a lot of speculation you know a guy who's wanted across the board he's he's called up the herald's son and <laughs> he's basically asked him to write an article about about the judiciary. so i don't I don't know too much about it, um, so yeah, I, I don't think it's anything to be concerned about. Look, I love challenging authority and holding it to account, and I in holding it accountable. I think it's I think it's great, um, but I don't know anything about this guy. I don't know his history, his background. I've read some some comments and some tweets and and a bit of the story on both ends, and yeah, it just seems interesting that you know it seems like he's gone for a nomination, something hasn't gone his way, so he's called the Herald Sun, and that's actually hurt us because this story is negative and we don't need any negative press right now. Um, Do I think LeJudice needs to be held accountable for some certain things? Probably. Um, The facts are in five years, we've won a couple of spoons and uh, we haven't done very well on the field. So how much do you actually apportion that to LeJudice? I don't know. Um, But I do like the fact that he's asking the question about that. Um, But to do it in this way and to have it come out, you know, we've got a really big season coming up. I don't think we need these type of distractions.
2: Yeah, no, I agree, and um, it would have been all right if he'd actually run the, club, run the club up, at least.
0: Yeah, and again, we don't know what's happened on the inside, so uh, it's hard to it's hard to um, have an opinion on it. Mate, uh, what about tomorrow? Are you excited about watching the girls? Yeah, I'm really excited about
2: that, and um, when I saw the teams announced, I was surprised to see that there was no Jess Hoskin.
0: Yeah, it seems like she hasn't got, no, I think she had a niggle. Oh, I think yeah. she had an injury, so hopefully she's okay. But um, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'm going to watch every game of theirs this season. I'm going to commit to that. I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. learning some new plays and and uh, and going from there. That's exciting. Awesome. All right, mate. Good night to you. Thanks for coming on. good, and, uh, good night to everyone out there. Thanks for your company and go the mighty Blue Boys. Good hey, boys.